sized and made from 100% recycled materials, so every bottle can live on to create more memories. That's endlessly refreshing. Coca-Cola. Bottles are made from 100% recycled materials, excluding cap and label. Enjoy the great taste of Coca-Cola in a new sip-sized bottle that's made of 100% recycled materials. Sorry we had a temporary problem there with our connection with the satellite broadcast company. I hope you didn't miss us, but we'll get back to business here. We just talked to a immigration attorney down at the southern border, a guy that uh, he's right up front in the epicenter of all this stuff going on down there, and he's doing a great job. If you missed that interview, you could be able to catch the show in its entirety at uh, Apple Podcasts, Spotify Podcasts, Stitcher, iHeart Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and Facebook after the fact. Where do we go next from here? You want to talk about inflation? Consumer prices up at 9.1%. Inflation in the U.S. already at 40-year highs rose to an annual rate of 9.1% in June. Compared with a month earlier, Bureau of Labor Statistics Consumer Price Index was up 1.3%. Economists had expected the CPI cost of the uh, price index to go up at an annual rate of just 8.8%, up from 8.6% in May, and they expected a month-over-month increase of just 1.1%. It's worse than even the experts predicted it would be, and there's no end in sight. It looks like there's no respite anywhere. Um, I'm sorry. We don't have any way to do anything about it when the guy sitting in the White House won't change his policies, won't make the necessary changes to stop this inflation stuff. And what does that mean? It's just going to continue to go and go and go, and there won't be anything we can do about it unless and until changes are made. Remember this. Nothing changes if nothing changes. And that's just the way it is. And for Joe Biden or anybody in his administration or any of the other Democrat leaders in the Congress to think that it's going to get better for some reason, you're fooling yourself. But you're not fooling the American people because we're living through this. We're living through the policies that this administration makes every day. And the ones that got us into this 9.1 inflation rate, percent, 9.1% inflation rate in just June, the stuff that got us there, unless you switch some things, it's certainly not going to get better. You won't even stop it. And I guarantee you, if he doesn't do it, I lived through the Jimmy Carter inflation years at the end of the uh, uh, 1970s, 76 to 1980, Jimmy Carter was in office, former governor of uh, Georgia, and we had inflation percentage rates under his watch at 17, 18, and 19%. Getting a mortgage, Americans were paying 17, 18% mortgage rates. How do you live? How do you make ends meet when that's what's staring you in the face every day? I just hope we don't have to get there. 
Now, in the middle of all of this, and you you heard the uh, immigration attorney that was with us, you heard him talk about what's going on at the southern border. Listen to what our president is doing. He's bragging about importing record numbers of foreign workers, and he's bragging about bringing them in for them to compete against Americans for jobs. He's bragging about it. This happened yesterday during a press conference with Mexican President Obrador. Biden bragged that the Department of Homeland Security under Alejandro Mayorkas has created a steady flow into the United States of foreign workers on those agricultural H-2A non-agriculture H-2B visas. Now, what does that mean? Every one of these illegals that comes in here, and they're illegal till they get this H-2A or H-2B visa from the Biden administration that allows them to stay here because they're working, principally in agriculture. What does that mean? That means for every one of them, there's an American out there that's not going to be able to get one job. 300,000 H-2 visas for Mexican workers last year. 300,000. And Joe Biden is bragging about that. He said, we also reached a five-year high in the visas we issued to Central Americans. We're on pace to double this in the, this fiscal year for Central America. He's inflating the U.S. labor market with millions of foreign workers, and it comes as millions of working-age Americans remain on the labor market sidelines. The labor participation rate is lower than it's been in years. There are about 11.5 million job openings in the U.S. right now, and 14.73 million employable Americans that aren't working. And that's coming from the Federation for American Immigration Reform. They're in this. It's what they look at every day. This means there are three and a quarter million more workers in the country than there are open jobs. Similarly, the Center for Immigration Studies finds that the number of native-born Americans who are now out of the labor force, that number has increased in all 50 states tremendously in the last 20 years. This is particularly true of working-class Americans who are the most likely to compete against foreign workers for all of these U.S. jobs. So look at these numbers. From 2000 to 2022, the share, the share of non-college-educated Americans in the labor force, it declined in every state. That's over a 22-year period. It went down. Our population in those categories went up, 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 up. And in 24 of those states, the decline was seven or more percentage points. It was nearly 5% on average for non-college educated Americans in their prime working age during this 22-year period. Every year, the U.S. gives out green cards to about 1.2 million foreign nationals and another 1.5 temporary work visas. This is in addition to the millions of illegal aliens who are added to the U.S. population every year. This employee base, ours in the United States, is sufficient to cover our jobs. If President 
Biden stops giving our jobs to these illegals that are illegal. They're coming into the United States illegally. And then his Department of Labor, his Department of Homeland Security, they're working their butts off to find these illegals that they can plug into these jobs and are sidelining more Americans every day, taking jobs, potential jobs away from Americans that are unemployed. Now, who's driving this boat? The big corporations, the big food, agriculture corporations largely out in California, Arizona, New Mexico, even up in Oregon and Washington. They can get these illegals in there. They can pay them less. They work harder. Let me tell you what one one friend of mine that uh, has been in business, in the construction business for decades, very successful in northwest Louisiana and northeast Texas. And I asked him about his uh, illegal alien, and you don't even like to use that term anymore, but uh, illegal migrants that work for him. What are they like and how do they work? And he said there is absolutely no comparison. He said these Hispanics and other Central Americans, they come to work early. They'll work their butts off all morning long. And my normal American staff at 12 noon, they all pile in pickup trucks and they're gone to eat lunch, gone for an hour, hour and a half. And then they come back and they'll work a little while and the day's over and they're gone. He said these Mexicans come, they bring bags with some food that they have at 12 noon. They'll go over grab their lunch bags, sit under a tree if there's one around there, eat their lunch and talk to each other, and at 12.30, they're back out on the job working. When it rains, most construction teams in the United States, when it rains, they're gone. Second it starts raining, they pack up and leave. Mexicans and other Central Americans, what do they do? They'll go sit under that same tree, stay there for a while, And when the rain stops, they're back on the job, whereas the American workers have already gone home. There is justification to having these kinds of people working in jobs in America that most Americans don't want, but that's not the case. We're told by the Biden administration and other Democrats, they're not taking any jobs from Americans that want to work. Americans don't want these jobs, so that's the jobs that they're taking. And they want us to believe that's okay and that's the reason for all this. What the reason for it is, dollars and cents. Getting the same work, but paying much, much less for all that work that's going on than what they would normally pay. And so big corporations, they're driven by the bottom line and nothing else. They don't even care if they're off the map on doing the right things and doing even the legal things. The love of money is the root of all evil. With money, unfettered amounts of money you can get and you can do pretty much whatever you want to get and whatever you want to do if you've got the money to do it. Money brings power, doesn't it? So there's um, there's something, it's not funny, it's very important. But in congressional testimony, Missouri Senator Josh Hawley He had some people before their committee, uh, three people, three women that are sitting there. 
And they're there to testify about all of the issues dealing with uh, abortion, the pro-choice, pro-life groups, crisis pregnancy centers. And he talked to, he talked to the first one he talked to. I'm going to let you listen to all three. But the first one he talked to got in the senator's face. And again, the conversation was not based on very much that is really important or even real. But I'll let you decide that for yourself. Bridges, you said several times, you've used a phrase, I want to make sure I understand what you mean by it. You've referred to people with a capacity for pregnancy. Would that be women? Many women, cis women, have the capacity for pregnancy. Many cis women do not have the capacity for pregnancy. Um, There are also trans men who are capable of pregnancy, as well as non-binary people who are capable of pregnancy. So this isn't really a women's rights issue. We can recognize that this impacts women while also recognizing that it impacts other groups. Those things are not mutually exclusive, Senator Hawley. Oh, so your view is is that the core of this, this right then is about what? So um, I want to recognize that your line of questioning um, is transphobic, (laughs) um, and it opens up trans people to violence by not recognizing that. Wow, you're saying that I'm opening up people to violence by asking whether or not women are the folks who can have pregnancies? So I want to note that one out of five transgender uh, persons have attempted suicide. So I think it's important Because of my line of questioning? So we can't talk about it? Because denying that trans people exist and pretending not to know that they exist I'm denying that trans people exist by asking you you if you're talking about women having pregnancies. Do you believe that uh, men can get pregnant? No, I don't think women can get (laughs) pregnant. So you are denying that trans people exist? And that leads to violence? Is this how you run your classroom? Are students allowed to question you? Or are they also treated like this? No, no, no. They're they're told that they're opening up people to violence. We have a good time in my class. You should join. I bet. You might learn a lot. Wow, I I would learn a lot. I've learned a lot just in this exchange. Absolutely. Extraordinary. can you get your your mind around the the obvious I don't know if it's silly or stupid I'm sorry folks men biological men men can't get pregnant and what she was talking about is somebody that calls themselves trans and just because they call themselves a man but they don't have the biological uh, attachments whatever to get pregnant. I don't know. I just don't get it. If you're a biological man, you're a biological man. If you're a biological woman, you're a biological woman. What determines that? It's not what your identification, what you think. It's almost like, well, if, you know, whatever I think, if I want to think that I'm wealthy, bam, I'm going to act like I'm a wealthy person. If I think I'm a pauper, I'm going to act like a pauper that doesn't have anything, no money to do anything. If I think I'm a dog, I'm going to bark and chase cars. I can't imagine. This was a woman sitting before a United States Senate committee. And she's teaching our children. She's teaching our young people. And everything is looked at through a lens of transphobia. And the default position they assign to every American. You just heard her ask, Senator Hawley, do you believe a man can get pregnant? And he said, no, I don't. She started laughing and said, well, then you're a transphobic person. If you don't believe something that they tell you, you should believe 
<laughs> and there's no evidence to prove that what they're saying is accurate, you're transphobic? I got to be honest with you, and I don't want to get down dirty and all that kind of stuff, but it, it depends on the plumbing, and it depends on those chromosomes. And you can change the plumbing, and you can go on uh, all kinds of medicine and all those kind of things, but until, unless and until you can change the chromosomes in somebody, you're not going to be another sex other than what you are biologically. It isn't going to happen. You can act like it. You can want it to happen. But my gosh, I'd love to be a billionaire. But just because I'd love to be a billionaire and maybe I want to act like one doesn't mean I'm a billionaire. Same thing holds true here. Don't argue with me. (laughs) I'm telling you the truth. It's a fact. So this um, committee hearing continued with Josh Hawley and the two other women that were there. I want you to listen to what they said in contrast to what you just heard. Ms. Matsky, let me ask you something. So you provide health care to women free of charge, right? Is that is that right? You've Absolutely. Done this, you've done this for many years. Yeah. You have licensed medical professionals at your pregnancy care centers. Is, is that right? That is correct. And what are some of the, the resources that you provide for women who, who come to you in a time of need? So, just give us a, you, you talked about it in your written testimony, but just give us a, a yeah. sense of it. So we have three OBGYN doctors, five registered nurses, nurse practitioners, physician assistants, phlebotomists, medical assistants, and we provide prenatal care, OBGYN care. We provide pregnancy tests, ultrasounds, well-woman visits, breast exams. Uh, We provide a wide range of medical services. Yes. So what do you think about the D.C. politicians now saying that your clinic and the other 3,000 pregnancy care centers around this country are, are, are fake medical clinics. For instance, Senator Warren has said, it's now more important than ever to crack down on so-called crisis pregnancy centers that mislead and deceive patients. Senator Menendez, crisis pregnancy centers jeopardize women's health and well-being, all while elevating unproven theories about birth control. Uh, Senator Warner wrote to Google asking them to censor search results for care centers like yours, saying directing women to fake clinics that traffic in misinformation is dangerous to women's health and undermines the integrity of Google's search results. Uh, Do you run a fake clinic? I mean, is, is that what's happening here? You don't provide actual medical care to actual women? We absolutely do not. Um, run a fake clinic. And we have a full medical staff. Like I said, many of our medical professionals have experienced abortion for themselves, including our OBGYN doctor who used to perform abortions. So our entire medical staff is there for women, whether they choose abortion and walk out the door or whether they choose life for their baby and we support them for years after that. Do you think there ought to be an ideological test to be able to get medical care in this country? I mean, is that, should we, should we say to women, well, you have to agree with the D.C. Democrats' ideology, otherwise you can't go get medical care. Or maybe for you and, and the physicians who work 
at your pregnancy care center or the thousands of others across the country? Should we impose an ideological test on them and say that, well, you have to agree with the D.C. Democrats' position on abortion or you can't provide medical care to women? Is that, should we do that in this country? Absolutely not. I, I just want to ask in my, in my few remaining seconds here, Ms. Ms. Harley, um, the Dobbs decision, as I understand it, I, I've read it now a number of times, it gives to voters the decision as to what laws should be pertaining to life and pertaining to abortion in all 50 states and, and other jurisdictions around the country. I, I'm just curious, do you know what percentage of voters in this country support the D.C. Democrats' position that they want to impose on the entire country, a one-size-fits-all rule they want to impose from the top down? Do you know what percentage of voters support their position, which is also, by the way, the, the same position taken by North Korea and China, other notable violators of human rights? Do you, do you know what percentage it is? I know that nearly 90% of Americans oppose abortion in the third trimester. Um, the number that would support abortion up to the moment of birth uh, has to be minuscule. It's, it's a horrific policy. Yeah, it, I mean, it, based on the most recent Harvard poll that was just released just a few days ago, it, it's less than 10% of voters say that they would support abortion into the final month of pregnancy, and yet that is the law that the D.C. politicians want to impose on every voter in America to take this away from the people, take it away from my state, take it away from all the other states and the voters in the states, but impose this law uniformly that is not supported by 90% of the American people. Talk about anti-democratic. At the same time, they want to shut down 3,000 pregnancy care centers all around this country. That's radical. Thank you for being here. You just can't take away from the facts that you just heard the differences in those two conversations. The first one with the, uh, I mean, the lady who is, and I'm probably, you know, I'm probably wrong. I shouldn't have called her lady. I don't know her, but I would assume she is female because she identified herself as female. And wait a minute, if you identify as female, it doesn't matter what the biological stuff is. In case you missed um, that first segment, it's a minute and 35 seconds long. I think you deserve to hear it again. Listen to her explanation to Senator Hawley about him being wrong about men not being able to get pregnant. Bridges, you said several times, you've used a phrase, I want to make sure I understand what you mean by it. You've referred to people with a capacity for pregnancy. Would that be women? Many women, cis women, have the capacity for pregnancy. Many cis women do not have the capacity for pregnancy. Um, There are also trans men who are capable of pregnancy, as well as non-binary people who are capable of pregnancy. So this isn't really a women's rights issue. It's a we can recognize that this impacts women while also recognizing that it impacts other groups. Those things are not mutually exclusive, Senator Hawley. Oh, so your view is is that the core of this this right then is about what? So um, I want to recognize that your line of questioning um, is transphobic, <laughs> um, and it opens up trans people to violence by not recognizing that. Wow, you're saying that I'm opening up people to violence by asking whether or not women are the folks who can have pregnancies? So I'm one, I want to note that one out of five transgender uh, persons have attempted suicide. So I think it's important Because of my line of questioning? Because so we can't talk about it? Because denying that trans people exist and pretending not to know that they exist I'm is denying that trans people exist by asking Are you? you if you're talking you? about women Are you? having pregnancies. Do you believe that uh, men can get pregnant? 
No, I don't think. <laughs> so you are denying that trans people like this. Thank and you. that leads to violence. Is this how you run your classroom? Are students allowed to question you, Absolutely. or are they also treated like this? Where no, 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 they're, they're told that to they're a- opening up people to oh, violence. We have a good time in my class. You should join. Oh, I bet. You might learn a lot. Wow, I, I would learn a lot. I've learned you, a lot I just know. in this exchange. Absolutely. Extraordinary. Yep. Um, if I'd been Senator Hawley, when they got to the end of that, I would just simply ask her, give me an example. Give me one example of a biological man who got pregnant. One example. You got to have a uterus. You have to have a vagina. Think about it. You have to have ovaries. All of those go into... That's necessary to get pregnant. Now, if they want to do some kind of biological manipulation and through surgery do all kind of stuff, that still doesn't make that person a man. I'm sorry. There is an entire segment of our society today that believes exactly what this woman said. How any person could go there and think that they had any thread of credibility believing the things that she was saying there is beyond me. That illustrates exactly what's going on at the heart of this nation now. The divisiveness, the division. Joe Biden, even before Biden was in the White House, during the campaign, during the summer of 2020 with all of the rioting and the looting and the burning and all those kinds of things, That just began a time period where the United States law enforcement began to just go away. And it changed the attitude and the atmosphere, especially in our big cities, especially in our big cities that are run by Democrat mayors in states that are governed by Democrat legislative wings, houses and Senate and governors, and it's okay. It's okay to hate law enforcement and people that do it. They went through that entire cycle, and then they would do that because they wanted to feed the obsession of their mob out there, and then they're shocked when they have to pay the price for it when crime goes through the roof, and every day, every week, every weekend, we have Hundreds of people that are being killed in those big cities slaughtered. And they still want to keep going down the road they have put us on? It's just hard to believe. Now listen to this one. There is a left-wing group, left-wing group, not a conservative group, a left-wing group, that is vowing to Lawrence, don't run Joe campaign if Biden doesn't bow out after the midterm elections. Now, they're talking about the 2024 presidential election. As of yesterday, according to a Fox News poll, 64% of Americans want somebody different than Joe Biden to run on the Democrat ticket for president in 2024. It's difficult to know how to take a report that this progressive left group plans to oppose Biden running for re-election given that the doddering 79-year-old president rarely disappoints in carrying out their destructive agenda, climate change aside. But on the other hand, it's a safe bet the activist money on the left flows where the prevailing sentiment lies. It always has. And they always come up 
Okay. Roots Action announced a hashtag don't run Joe campaign. They're going to launch it on November 9th, the day after the midterm elections. And they tell us that they expect many allied groups and notable individuals to join them in dissuading the president from a 2024 re-election bid. We object to Biden running in 2024 because of his job performance as president. That's what Roots Action founder Jeff Cohen told the network in an exclusive statement. The goal is to assure that Biden is not the Democratic nominee who will take on the Republican nominee, largely expected to be Donald Trump should he decide to run. Democrats would do better, they say, in this year's midterms if the public knew Biden would not be heading to to the ticket in 2024. You think about the months between now and then. We started the show. We've got August, September, October, and almost a full month of November. So really, a little less than four months. Just think about how it would impact the midterm elections, which it looks like Democrats are going to get slaughtered across the board, House and Senate at national levels. Um, That's number one. Number two... You need as much lead time as you possibly can have in politics to hone your skills, pull all the resources necessary together for you to mount a big-time campaign for a presidential election in 2024. Joe Biden keeps saying, I'm planning to run, I'm planning to run. He can win. And Democrats, obviously, so far, have been unable to talk him out of it if he's talking to any of them. What he's doing is he's just making it tougher every day he stays in. Every day his name is in the hat to run for 2024 as the Democrat running for president. It gets tougher and tougher for Democrats. And I honestly don't think Joe Biden understands that. I really don't. And that's kind of sad. Just simply because he is an elderly man. And we don't want him to have problems. We don't want him to suffer with any kind of cognitive decline. And quite honestly, I would love to protect his respect and his long term as a U.S. senator from Delaware. But he's trampling on that legacy that he has left every day. He's going out looking like a doofus because of all the things he says that mean absolutely nothing, not anywhere close to being true. And it just seems like he doesn't care. Wow. Well, did you know the baby formula problem is not worked out? Oh my gosh, I bet you thought it was. You haven't heard anything about it. Nobody in D.C. seems to be talking about it anymore. But it's still out there, and it's getting worse and worse. And the president is doing nothing about it. More about that next. What up, y'all? It's DJ Envy, and I'm teaming up with Turtle Wax this summer to make sure your rides are clean, shiny, protected, and even disinfected. Because whether you're hitting the streets or heading out on the highway to the beach, Turtle Wax will make sure your vehicle is looking, smelling, and feeling amazing. Turtle Wax is the only brand that I trust with my fleet of supercars. And y'all know how many cars I keep in my garage, right? Check out TurtleWax.com to learn more and be sure to buy now at TurtleWax.com or anywhere you shop for car care. 
And now back to John with the weather. Yes, Andy. Tonight, a big storm. Storm this! Get the soccer offer from Pizza Hut and Pepsi. With every two medium pan Super Supreme, you get a real soccer ball and four cans of Pepsi for free. Yes, a real soccer ball and four cans of Pepsi for free! Don't miss the Pizza Hut and Pepsi soccer offer. With every two medium pan Super Supreme, you get a real soccer ball and four cans of Pepsi for free. What about the weather, Andy? Don't resist and call 19,000 now. Shop at H&M. Be stylish. Be trendy. With women's clothes and accessories at the best quality and the best prices since 1947. Come to H&M and shop for women's clothing and accessories inspired by the latest fashion trends. Here at H&M, the master of cheap fashion, clothes cost the average price of $21.40. Wow, that's so cheap and affordable. I know, right? H&M offers fashion and quality clothing at an affordable price. So, what are you waiting for? Come shop at H&M today! Hashtag Hot and Modern Enrique Santos for Taco Bell. The toasted cheddar chalupa from Taco Bell is back, and I know what you're thinking, because I'm thinking the same thing. Did they really toast six-month-old aged cheddar right onto a delicious flaky chalupa shell again? Yes, they did, but now it's even tastier. It comes with a crunchy taco, cinnamon twist, and a medium drink, all in a $5 box. That's right, all that for just a little cheddar. But don't forget, it's back for a limited time. The $5 Toasted Cheddar Chalupa Box, only at Taco Bell. CBS, NBC, ABC, MSNBC, CNN. An alphabet soup of lies, myths, and disinformation. For real nutrition, you need a full plate of truth. TNN, the Truth News Network. And that full plate of food, it's especially critical for our infants, and that means food, baby formula. This has been rocking and rolling along since February, February of this year. In the Biden administration, they waited, they waited, they waited, and they hardly ever got in the middle of it to do anything to make it better. The FDA is involved in this. We're going to let you hear something about it in a moment. But let me point to the story we gave you earlier about our trains, every train system in the United States, as of this moment, is going to stop moving Sunday night, 12.01 a.m. Monday morning, unless, unless the union and the workers, all of the unions involved with the rail system, all of them, every one of them, unless they get something worked out, there's going to be a work stoppage midnight, Sunday night, and there will be nothing moving in the nation. Nothing. You can't replace the rails. You do understand that most of the rail systems are hooked up to ports. Ports. And you see these train cars going down the road, and they've got these big containers that are loaded on these rail cars at the ports for the rail systems to transport all that equipment and food and all those kinds of things to where it's going across the nation. So our supply chain issue, it began with ships. It began with a shortage of workers in the COVID-19 pandemic. It just slowed us down, slowed us down. Feckless leadership politically from the Biden administration. Never really got in the middle of it, but yet they told us again and again, hey, we, we even before Joe Biden 
took the oath of office and was inaugurated and formally became the president, we were working on our supply chain issue. They've never offered us a plan to change it, to fix it. Never. Not one thing. But they keep telling us over and over again, we're on top of this. And now we're we're looking at another one. What are we going to do if you can't get food for anybody, but especially for our kids, you can't function? More baby formula could be on the way, albeit from foreign sources. Uh, but Patrick Morrissey, the West Virginia Attorney General, is keen on finding out what caused this shortage in the first place. And he has 15 others who are looking into it as well. Attorney General, good to have you. Where does this stand right now? How all of this started in the first place? Absolutely. So first of all, thank you for having me on. This is a really important issue because part of the blame for a lot of these shortages rests at the feet of the FDA that put overly burdensome regulations, make it very difficult to come into the marketplace because not only the standards that need to be met, but uh, the micromanagement of the processes that are used to get to the standards. And this is a real issue. The other thing that we did, we started to conduct an investigation and review before we submitted comments to the Federal Trade Commission. And we also learned that uh, there's obviously a huge concentration of the infant formula marketplace here in the United States. And there's some real barriers to entry, in part, I think, because of how the WIC program is structured. A lot of huge players, but it makes it very difficult for other people to come online. That's why you see very few domestic manufacturers and more reliance on foreign manufacturers of this infant formula. So big problems from a regulatory front and also how this WIC program operates, which I think, unfortunately, has had unintended consequences. Real quickly, sir, then, do you think that we should widen the pool? More American players, they are out there, but they're dominated by the Abbots of the world and those, those others. What do you think? Look, I, I think we should try to open it up, and I think you do that through a targeted FDA regulatory relief package uh, to encourage it to limit the barriers for entry. Okay. And second, you make sure when you're doing the WIC contracts that you're not only loading up with the largest of the large, you give other people the opportunity to come on board because if they don't get even some piece of the contract, unfortunately, there won't be much supply. So right. uh, that's what we're recommending. You know, I don't know of a single agency in the federal government. I'm not talking about, you know, the Department of Justice or uh, even the other departments. I'm talking about agencies people that are bureaucrats. They're outside of the direct control of the bureaucracy in D.C., but they're a big part of it. And they get this power, more and more power. And with that power, they get to do a lot of things. And because of the way this particular administration is governing, and by the way, this isn't anything new, executive action, it's everywhere. And what is executive action as compared to legislation? Well, constitutionally, all of the laws and the things pertaining to specific segments of our society that are delineated in the Constitution, those can only be done through legislative action. That means through the House of Representatives and then through the U.S. Senate. They reach a consensus bill. That bill goes to the desk of the sitting president, and he signs it into law, and it becomes law. But through the years, presidents have exacted this amazing thing called executive orders. And they can bypass all of that on certain issues. As a matter of fact, 
I'm one of those people that thinks we need to lock down on the specifics of what any president or anybody else in government can do with an executive order circumventing the constitutional election system. I don't even think they should do it. I think we should do away with executive orders. Now, a lot of people will say, well, Dan, you know, we can't get everything done in Congress. Why not? Why don't the members of Congress just work on things that are specifically for the American people? And I'm not talking about having a congressional hearing to justify naming a post office after somebody. And they literally do that. And it has to be voted on. Can you imagine how much time is being wasted in D.C. on this useless stuff that is symbolic at best? And we're looking at every train in the nation stopping, moving midnight this Sunday, which means none of our goods and services are going to be distributed across the United States that can't be distributed to their ultimate destination close to these ports of entry where they're picking this up now and putting it on rail cars. Can you imagine if our supply chain gets worse than it is right now? Once again, if this happens, it's happening for one reason. It's happening for one reason and one reason only. This president and his administration are feckless. They are not leaders. They are not planners. They're not organizers. They're not for building these plans and getting a consensus of a bunch of experts on any and every topic that's part of governing. And so what comes out of that? Basically, it's just, let's fly by the seat of our pants. Let's try this. Let's try that. And then what happens, the American people see our government just falling to pieces. And every issue that comes up, they just go into flat, into panic mode. Oh my gosh, what are we going to do? It's a crisis. It's a crisis. Senator Ted Cruz, he weighed in on that very thing yesterday. President Biden meets with Mexico's President Lopez Obrador later this morning. Senator Ted Cruz is with us. Mr. Senator, we hear that President Obrador has an anti-inflation plan for America. What's going on here, Senator? Well, unfortunately, the Biden White House is, is in chaos. It's in crisis. And, and one of the consequences, we're seeing AMLO, the leader of Mexico, moving further and further left, moving more and more in an anti-American posture and, and sadly driven there uh, by Joe Biden. You know, it says something that, that when Donald Trump was president, AMLO was willing to work with the United States to secure our southern border. Now that Joe Biden is president, it is open borders and that chaos that is inflicted on my home state of Texas and the entire country, it's continuing unabated because that's what the Biden White House wants. Uh, Texas is returning illegal migrants to the port of entry. The White House doesn't like that. Texas is using its own people to staff the border and the administration is suing them. Mr. Senator, the administration will do anything to keep that border open, right? Sadly, that's the case. You know, we have never seen in our nation's history a president like Joe Biden, a president who utterly refuses to enforce the law. I was not a fan of Barack Obama's, and Barack Obama stretched the bounds of the law. But Barack Obama actually deported millions of illegal aliens. 
Joe Biden and Kamala Harris have decided that they will not follow the law. We're seeing the highest rate of illegal immigration in decades. And, and I got to tell you, this weekend, I'm taking several senators down to the border once again to see firsthand what is happening, to see the chaos. The last time I took senators, I took 19 senators down there the last time, we saw a dead body floating in the Rio Grande River. We saw children packed into the Joe Biden cages. We saw the consequences of crime and drugs and fentanyl and, and, and disease. And we, we saw the human misery of children who were physically and sexually assaulted by human traffickers. And the response from Joe Biden and Kamala Harris is more of the same. In fact, Biden in a year and a half as president hasn't even been bothered to get down to the border to see firsthand the misery he's causing. I don't understand why the administration refuses to do anything. Why do they keep the border open? I presume it's because they think they're going to get the Hispanic vote and maybe they're placating their own left wing, but that's the only reason I can think of. It's a political disaster for the Democrats. Well, I think it is a very craven political decision that they look at every illegal immigrant and they see a potential future Democrat voter. And I think many of them hope a potential illegal voter who, who votes and helps them win the election. I'll tell you one place it's backfiring horribly is in South Texas. I'll make a prediction here that I've made before. I think in November, South Texas is going to turn red. And, and that is historic. You know, we just saw Myra Flores elected from a district that runs from just south of San Antonio all the way down to Brownsville, to the southern tip of Texas. It's a district that hasn't been represented by a Republican since 1871. And Myra Flores, a Republican, an Hispanic woman, is now the sit sitting member of Congress. And I got to tell you, there are two other seats. I think we, we're going to come out of November with at least two and maybe three new members of Congress from South Texas, all Republicans, all Hispanic women. I'm supporting all three of them. And it's because nobody who sees the chaos, the suffering that is being caused by Joe Biden and Kamala Harris, you can't defend it. And yet they refuse to change. I don't want to, I don't want to cast fear on anybody, but if you listen to the Senator there and he's, he's, he's a really powerful guy in the U S Senate. And he's a Texan. He knows all about illegal immigration. He knows about the southern border. Ad nauseum. They've been living it firsthand. I mean, that is the go-to spot. South Texas, Hidalgo, is uh, the number one entry point for these illegals to come across. I've been there many times at the exact spot that they're watching this and dealing with this right now. They don't have any answers. I don't see any possibility of this getting better in the next few months. And in fact, unless the House turns Republican and unless, oh my gosh, if the Senate could get a one-seat majority for Republicans, unless those things happen, this illegal immigration stuff, the flood across the southern border that we've been watching Looking at it, and we're just stupefied that any president of the United States would just thumb his nose at the rule of law and break the law by suborning criminality. Every person that steps foot in the United States that's not a citizen and they don't have a government invitation to do so is committing a crime. And this president is not only allowing 
it to happen. He's promoting it to continue happening. And as Secretary of Homeland Security, Alejandro Mayorkas, oh my gosh, he's Satan of immigration, illegal immigration. He doesn't even care what the law says, and he's an attorney. Somebody in that position you would think would know for a fact, hey, we got to do this the right way. We got to do this. We can't let this continue on. But that would be the right thing to do. That would be the legal thing to do. And it would hurt the Democrat Party and their quest to get a bunch more illegals in the nation and then start getting them made legal through amnesty. That's their next step. And once they become legal, then they're going to try to make those that have received amnesty be allowed to vote. And these Democrats think that because the Democrat Party is the party in the U.S. that has opened up the southern border and invited them to flood into the nation, that they're always going to be obligated to the Democrat Party. And the Democrat Party, which is shrinking across America and its voting support, they're trying to just sustain their sense of power politically in the United States. And if they can't do it, through presenting better ideas to the American population. Hey, we'll just go bring in millions of illegals and we'll just put the onus on them to support Democrats and vote Democrats. When they get registered to vote, we're going to try to make that happen as quickly as possible. That's what this is all about. And while this is happening there, we're all looking at our energy situation And folks, we're in the middle of summer. It's not getting any better, and it won't get better. It's going to get worse. While that is happening, listen to this. President Biden's administration is supporting Canadian Prime Minister Justin Trudeau, his decision to ship natural gas pipeline equipment to Germany. If he does that, it's going to lead to the European Economic Hub importing more Russian natural gas. Now this is happening. (laughs) I, I just sit when I hear about it and read the details and it's like, oh my gosh, how could this be allowed? So State Department spokesman Ned Price, he expressed Washington's support for this move by Canada. Trudeau's government plans to ship the equipment for the Nord Stream 1 pipeline back to Germany after it had been kept in Montreal because of sanctions on Russian gas. The decision to do that is aimed at preventing serious economic turmoil in Germany because of high energy prices. We support the Canadian government's decision to return a natural gas turbine to Germany for use in the Nord Stream 1 pipeline, Price said, adding that the move will allow Germany and other European countries to replenish their gas reserves, increasing their energy security and resiliency, and countering Russia's efforts to weaponize energy. They are not putting forth Russia. They're not putting forth efforts to weaponize energy. They have weaponized energy. And they've got Joe Biden by the short hairs, and he absolutely doesn't know what to do. Now, let me tell you what Donald Trump would have already done. First of all, there would have been no shutdown of the XL pipeline. We would be getting now today, after the completion of 
the XL pipeline from central Canada down to the Gulf Coast of America for shipping gas around the world, we would have been getting 900,000 more barrels of oil a day. So that would have happened there. But then about this Germany thing, look, we were selling northern European countries ships full of liquid national gas before Joe Biden was inaugurated president. And where's that coming from? Well, it's refined in South Louisiana and South Texas. There are plants down there that are producing the liquid natural gas, which burns cleaner. And by the way, natural gas period is the cleanest type of fossil fuel when it's being used. But nevertheless, we were supplying all of our allies over there in Northern Europe with all of their natural gas needs. And this was happening during the Trump administration. You remember, look back fondly on October of 2020, what happened then? It was declared that we were energy independent. We were producing enough to supply our nation with all of our energy needs. And we had so much left over, we were shipping it elsewhere around the world. I would think that there was nobody on the planet that could screw it up as bad as Joe Biden has done, period, but certainly not as bad as he has done in 18 months. He has destroyed American energy with his policies. And not only does he not either understand or is he doing something purposefully, I don't know, but he's nowhere near quitting. They're going to keep pushing and pushing and pushing. And who knows where this is going to end up? I don't. I don't think anybody, I don't think this president knows that's for sure. So while Joe Biden is jumping on Air Force One, I watched him get off of Air Force One in Saudi Arabia this morning. He's over there to get on his knees before the Saudi king and beg for oil. How humiliating is this? Here we are, the United States of America, the strongest nation on earth, the strongest country ever. And the president of the United States is going to Saudi Arabia because of Joe Biden's decisions. He turned the spigot off over here for oil and natural gas. He just turned it off. And the oil companies, they were told, you're not getting any more permits. You're not going to be able to drill again. And so what did they do? They just began to back off. They laid off employees. They began to close some rigs down. They were doing what any country, uh, any company does when they're told your products, your goods and services are no longer needed in the United States of America. So they segue over to something else. Joe Biden would have never canceled the XL pipeline permit that day one as president if he had had any idea what the ripple effect was going to do, what it was going to be not just in the United States, but worldwide. You just heard the story about Germany. They need natural gas. And we did a story yesterday telling you that Vladimir Putin had announced that they were having problems with their pipeline, and so they were going offline for a few days. So Germany was not able to get any of their natural gas. But if we were still in business, 
Donald Trump was still the commander-in-chief, those ships would have been going to port in northern Europe and unloading way, way, way sufficient natural gas, liquid national gas, uh, natural gas to take care of Europe's needs. And here we are struggling again. So Putin's going to Iran. Did you know that? He's going to take a visit. He's going to visit Iran next week. Biden administration is still negotiating to revive that nuclear deal with Tehran. So what's the plan for Putin? Well, while he's there, they may discuss a deal to get drones from Iran to use in Russia's invasion of Ukraine. It's still not clear whether Iran has already delivered those those UAVs, but U.S. National Security Advisor Jake Sullivan said intelligence indicates that the Islamic Republic is preparing to give Russia several hundred UAVs, including weapons-capable UAVs, drones, on an expedited timeline. Putin's going to meet with leaders from Iran and Turkey while he's there to discuss Syria-related issues. The Russian president will have a separate meeting with Turkish President Erdogan, who previously acted as a mediator between Russia and Ukraine. Putin's trip comes after Joe is visiting today Israel, Saudi Arabia this week. The Biden administration still trying to revive that 2015 Iran nuclear deal. French Foreign Minister Catherine Colonna yesterday expressed her doubts that the deal would be reached and said there are only a few weeks left to come to an agreement before it's too late. But a Biden administration official indicated the U.S. had only a handful of weeks left to re-enter the nuclear deal before Iran would have enough weapons-grade fissile material to build a bomb, which is exactly what the deal was supposed to avoid. Iran announced earlier this week it had started enriching uranium up to 20% purity in their new underground centrifuges. That's one step closer to the 90% purity required for weapons-grade levels. Well, they had plenty of money. Plenty of money. The Obama-Biden-Iran deal gave them $150 billion of aid from the United States. None of that went to Congress. It wasn't even considered by Congress. It wasn't a formal agreement that was passed or confirmed by Congress. Barack and Joe did it on their own through executive order. A hundred fifty billion U.S. dollars without Congress having any say-so. And Congress never got to look at the language in the deal, never got a chance to vote on it, approve it, never had a chance to do anything. A president that had never worked one minute in the private sector and a vice president who had never worked one minute in the private sector Neither of them worked in the energy business, and that tells me one thing. That whole decision had nothing to do with business. It had only to do with politics. And of course, we all know, we plebes out here, we're not educated. We don't have the expertise. We don't have the knowledge, the understanding of how the political system works. That's what they think. I don't know about you, but what I think is, or what I know is, 
We have the understanding. We know who they are. We know what drives their their train. We know where their thinking is. We live in it. We live in the results of it. And we're right now living in the results of Joe Biden tearing apart one entire sector of the United States private sector, the fossil fuel industry. And he did it without Congress. And we Americans allowed it to happen. And it's getting worse. And it's going to get worse. Meanwhile, Iran and Russia are getting pretty tight again. And I don't know about you, but I don't think that can be good. I really don't. Some changes coming in New York regarding the lawlessness there and what's happening in New York State about the way they're treating criminals. Oh my gosh, you remember? Defund the police, defund the police. That's not what is going on there. That's not what we'll be talking about. But there's something coming out of New York State that you do need to know about. We've got that on the other side. Back right after this at TNN Live, truthnewsnet.org. Real truth, real news, TNN, the Truth News Network. Whether holding down the fort or bouncing back to school, childhood is always in session. So keep feeding us right with sun-made snacks, just like when you were a kid. Remember their naturally sweet raisins? Yup, still delicious. And so are Sunmate's other snacks, like creamy yogurt-covered raisins, sour raisin snacks that taste like sour candy with no added sugar, and Sunmate's new s'mores and birthday cake bites. All delicious, all made with whole fruit. Sunmade snacks. Cars today are computers on wheels. That's it. Uh, the fancy new tech makes our life easier in the car, but when something breaks, can you afford to fix the touchscreen display or the sensor, which can cost thousands of dollars? Most likely, no. That's why I have Car Shield, and it takes away the worry and the panic of the expensive repair that you know is coming. Car Shield, their protection plans can save you thousands for covered repairs, including everything from an engine, transmission, GPS, electronics, and more. You can have your favorite mechanic or dealership do the work, and Car Shield takes care of the rest. They also offer complimentary roadside assistance and a rental car. It's inevitable something's going to break. It happens to everybody, including me. So get coverage from America's number one auto protection company like I did and find out why CarShield cars go farther. Rates are as low as $99 a month, so visit carshield.com. Use the promo code iHeart to save 10%. That's carshield.com, promo code iHeart. Deductible may apply. Back at it on Wednesday just a second, we're going to hear from uh, Stuart Varney ringing another one of those alarms about we've got uh, all kind of issues and Democrats and the Biden administration are running around like crazy. That's all going on out there, but I want to I want to tell you about what's happening in New York. That no bail law approved by statewide Democrats back in 2019. It's helped free from jail two Mexican drug cartel smugglers arrested with about $1.2 million worth of crystal meth. God, I can't believe this. It was announced the arrest of 19-year-old Luis Estrada and 34-year-old Carlos Santos, both from Southern California, for charges related to smuggling 
crystal meth. According to investigators, Estrada was arrested July 5th with more than 40 pounds of crystal meth. Estrada had two cell phones and a room key to a lower Manhattan hotel. Then on July 8th, Santos was arrested with more than 100 pounds of crystal meth in the Inwood neighborhood of Manhattan. Like Estrada, Santos was carrying two cell phones and in addition had cocaine on his person. Santos, investigators allege, drove a rental car across the U.S. to smuggle these drugs to New York, from Southern California to New York. Why would he do that? Tens of thousands of dollars of profit. And because there's no clampdown any longer, Donald Trump's out of office. The Biden administration, they certainly aren't clamping down on drug crimes. Oh my gosh, fentanyl coming in here from China through the drug cartels to the U.S.? That's no big deal. We don't need to worry about that. That's what we're told. And in the middle of all of that and all of a bunch of other stuff, we've got desperation in the air everywhere and we can't get anything done. Press Secretary Karine Jean-Pierre may say the president doesn't follow the polls, but Democrats surely do. With Biden's numbers in the tank and still falling, there's Democrat desperation in the air. In the New York Times, Michelle Goldberg dismisses President Biden as just too old. I hope he doesn't run again, she says. All right, so who do you have? Who will carry the Democrat flag in 24? There is virtually no support for Kamala Harris. Democrats dismiss her for poor performance. Pete Buttigieg? Can't see it. Again, poor performance. Airport chaos, supply chain problems. Democrat Senator Amy Klobuchar? Well, she is on the list, but she didn't do well in the 2020 primaries and got a lot of bad publicity for her reported rough treatment of her aides. California Governor Gavin Newsom? No way. A liberal whose state has the highest taxes and highest poverty rate, plus homelessness, crime and a $6 gas? That's not going to get much support from the rest of the country now, is it? J.B. Pritzker, a Democrat, a billionaire governor of Illinois, they're pushing him because he made a strong response to the July 4th mass shooting. That's it. But his state is also hemorrhaging people, and his state is kept afloat by handouts from Washington. Roy Cooper, governor of North Carolina, mm, that would be an uphill struggle, no name recognition. Senator Sherrod Brown, Democrat from Ohio, maybe if you ignore his far-left positions, which no longer seem to reflect the nation's mood. Hillary Clinton, uh, I'm sure she would jump at the chance, but I just can't see Democrats giving her that chance. She would be 77 in 2024. Bernie Sanders, not a prayer. In 2020, Democrats moved fast to get him off the presidential ticket because they knew a socialist couldn't win. He couldn't win in 2024 either. You add it all up and there's one inescapable conclusion. The Democrats have no bench. Of course, that gives opportunity to up-and-comers jumping into the vacuum, but at this moment, they're nowhere in sight. It is the Republicans' race to lose. And that just might be what we're looking at. If we don't get ourselves coordinated and get together, we certainly don't want that to happen. And on the way out today, I had to tell you, Dr. Fauci, Dr. Anthony Fauci is back. Yesterday, he conceded the COVID-19 vaccines do not protect overly well. That's his term. Vaccines do not protect overly well against infection. 
One of the things that's clear from the data is that even though vaccines, because of the high degree of transmissibility of this virus, don't protect overly well, as it were, against infection, they protect quite well against severe disease, leading to hospitalization and death. And I believe that's the reason why at my age, being vaccinated and boosted, even though it didn't protect me against infection, I feel confident that it made a major role in protecting me from progressing to severe disease. That's very likely why I had a relatively mild course. Never told you anything like that, did he? Never told me anything like that. And now, here's Fauci saying, well, it doesn't really work. That's a wrap on the show today. Thanks for being here. We will see you bright and early, 9 a.m. Central tomorrow, 9 to 11, Monday through Friday, TNN Live. You're part of the family now. We thank you for that. You guys have a great day. See you tomorrow at TNN Live. There's only one of you, and you're the only one, only one, the one in whom all life and every life flows from. The one who, who has an end is to come. Only way, one truth then, you're, you're the only one. Step of the way has a beat like a heart and it's leading me.